what I'm going to preach to you today is really the heart and the message of the gospel. Paul's communicating the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth is a mess. He's communicating something that I think is incredibly important for us to just grab hold of and grab hold of it tightly through every season. Because can I tell you this? Cruise was painful. I went through a similar experience two years later where we had to go down to Palo Alto because we had a third son. His name is Valor. If you haven't met Valor, he'll make you laugh within about 10 seconds. He just says ridiculous stuff. I love him. But we had to go back down to Palo Alto because they had to see if he was going to have the same genetic condition. Do you know what his results were? He didn't. So I've also been in the moments where God has been there. And there has been what I would consider a miracle. I want to trust God the same way in the pits as I do in the peaks. So let's take a look. Let's go to verse 6, though. Carolyn, for the sake of time, because I've been going long. Verse 6, okay? This is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Now, people give Paul a hard time. I love Paul, okay? Love Paul. I think he's brilliant. I don't think we actually understand how brilliant he is. I don't think we understand how nuanced what he teaches, how he teaches it, how he presents it, the audience he presents it to. Phenomenal, okay? This guy, you have to know this about Paul, was a Pharisee. Do you know what one of the qualifications for being a Pharisee was? Having the entire Old Testament memorized. Like, can you just stop and just take, if you have your Bible with you, just take a look at kind of that portion and go, he has what memorized? What he's doing is he's building for us the theology of the Old Testament with the New Testament and the church and the new heavens and the new earth to come. He's building that. And look at what he communicates. I love this about Paul. Though, if I should wish to boast, and this is where people get mad about Paul, because he's a human being. People are like, he's a little arrogant. No, we're just not as smart as he, so we think he's arrogant. Okay. Though, if I should uh, wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So we think it's a little bit backwards in our culture because Paul's constantly going, I'm not going to boast, but if I do boast, well, Paul, just don't boast. But I'm not boasting, I'm boasting in my weakness because in my weakness you'll see Jesus. Then you're like, why would you even say boast at all? Because we don't write letters. He's not talking, he's writing. He's communicating that we should be elevating who we're boasting about, which is not him. It's it a little confusing, but it's who Jesus is. goes on. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Paul's very particular, okay? So about the words he uses. Underline the word surpassing greatness of the revelations. Paul... I'm just going to let you know, this is me speaking. This is no other, anybody else speaking. Paul, and I'm not counting Jesus because he's God, is the baddest dude in the, in the Bible. He, I mean, Paul, the, besides, there's no one like Paul. I'm just letting you know. Peter knows it. That's why Peter kind of goes silent. All the other disciples know it. Paul has a very unique way of communicating and has a very unique experience. So underline the word, surpassing the greatness of the revelations. A thorn was given to me in the flesh. Underline the word flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, 
to keep me from being conceited. Why would Paul have to worry about being conceited? I'm going to tell you. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, and if you want some life verses, this is a life verse. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, I want to point something out that you may be overlooking. This verse is in quotations. These are not Paul's words. These are the words of Jesus. So i got to give you a little background. Wait, what? Jesus had died and been resurrected and descended before this. So how on earth is Paul quoting Jesus? Because Paul, unlike anybody else we have in Scripture, had encounters, not with angels, not with spirits, but with Jesus. When he's on the road to Damascus, he gets knocked off his donkey, and the voice speaking to him, because it says it, I am Jesus. What he's communicating in the verse above, surpassing the greatness of the revelations, is he's actually communicating, I've had encounters that have led to revelations that no one else has had, and if I wanted to be conceited, I could be like, hey, I've talked to Jesus since he's ascended. But he doesn't. In fact, he goes to Peter, in the book of Galatians, you can read this, and he has a two-week meeting with him about preaching this new gospel. It's not a new gospel in the sense of different. It is a revealed revelations gospel that leads to quotes like this. My grace is highlight sufficient. Wait a second. I thought grace saved. I thought grace covered all my sins. That is an aspect of grace. But this is where grace leads you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> we think that his grace makes us millionaires. We think that his grace gives us favor. The first function of grace is it is sufficient. Do you know what sufficient means here? Exactly what you need. <laughs> because what Jesus is looking for in his relationship with you and I, okay, you have to know this about my preaching. Some of you are new this morning. Great, awesome. I build week to week. So a lot of times we want to preach messages that stand alone and that's cute. And I'll give you a verse and that's awesome but I like to build on things that I've, I've preached before. So when he says that my grace is sufficient for you, what he's communicating is let's go back to the formula of the Lord's Prayer. I want you to come to me daily for your food. I want you to come to me daily for the food on your back, not because I want to be needed, but because I want relationship with you. My grace is sufficient because if it's too abundant, then you will be like Paul is tempted to and be conceited thinking that you can live apart from me. His grace is sufficient. I would love to preach to you something else, but what I've experienced that goes along with what's in Scripture is that grace is exactly what you need in that season. And you've got to walk faithfully in that season, trusting that his grace is sufficient and that the power 
that is going to become evident in your life is the outcome of you being transparent and vulnerable with your weakness. Remember what we preached about last week with the Samaritan woman. He's sitting at the well, and he said, if you knew who was sitting with you, you wouldn't ask, or sorry, you'd be asking me for water. And then he takes it a step farther. Go, go retrieve your husband for me. And she's like, uh, Jesus, I got a problem. I, got, I've had five, I don't have a husband. And he goes, yeah, you're right. You've had five, and the man you're with isn't even your husband. What he is communicating is, I see your weakness, but if you can be vulnerable and transparent about your weakness, my power will exist in your life. And what does that power look like? Sufficient grace. I want Iron Man power. I want Captain America power. No, the power that God is speaking about is the grace to persevere. The grace to live with a thorn in your side, knowing that it only affects the flesh. And look where it's leading you. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Are you broken this morning? You're at the right place. You got some issues this morning? You're at the right place. You got some broken thoughts? You're at the right place. But you're only at the right place if we can be vulnerable and transparent enough to go, God, I am broken. I'm teaching this to the the people who are going to get baptized in a moment. Baptism is a sacrament, meaning it is a physical act of a transcendent experience. Why do we take people and dunk them and then bring them up out of the water? Because we're visually showing what took place on the cross and what took place in resurrection. But can I tell you one thing that we struggle with when it comes to kind of the the salvation message, the salvation concept? If you want new life, old life has got to die. I don't mean metaphorically. I don't mean symbolically. I mean literally. Power is the result of being transparent and vulnerable and going, God, there's some old desires. There's some old habits. There's some old thoughts. And I want to experience freedom. And the only way I can step into the new life is if that old stuff dies. That process, because <laughs> can, I, can I let you in on a secret? It's a process. I would love to tell you, done. Wave a wand, over. It's a process. Grace is sufficient to get you from here to there. But sometimes the sufficiency isn't the removal. Like, I, I don't know about you, I would never compare myself to Paul. I would never compare our faith level. And yet he had a thorn in his side he couldn't pray out of him. There are some things that enter into our life that we go, wait, this isn't the will of God. But if you look at Paul's life, the will of God is sometimes that grace would carry you. We're so quick to want to get removed from the grace 
of sufficiency and dependency and reliance and sustenance that we try to pray our way out of it instead of praying our way into it. Keeps going. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Next verse. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. That's a whole lot, Paul. Can we like do like one a year? <laughs> I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. If you, if you study Paul's life and you study how many times he was stoned, how many times he was beaten, how many times he was kicked out of towns, how many times he was shipwrecked, how many times he uh, was floating in the water after being shipwrecked, you would realize that this guy had like an eight-year ministry, but it was filled, eight-to-ten-year ministry, filled with hardships. We think that the removal of hardships is evidence of God's grace. I would argue the opposite. Because you know what I've discovered about the disciples? You know what none of them had? A retirement plan. They didn't even have an exit strategy. Probably because none of them made it past 45. Like, awkward. Like, everybody's like, oh, what do you say? Like, we all need that. No, I'm just saying this. That they were running into the fray, not from it. And they knew that in running towards it, that his grace would be sufficient. It's easy to crochet it and put it on your wall. It's a whole other thing to live by it. Because I've discovered that when you need his grace the most is when you're in the midst of the fire. Sometimes we try to hide from the fire and we call that the way, when in reality it's in the midst of the fire, the midst of the storm that God is leading you. And it finishes this way, for when I am weak then I am strong. Quiz. What's my word of the year? Seek first. That's my theme. That's my verse. No, my word, like the, the one word starts with a P. Anybody know? Paradox. Remember that? Talk about paradox within scripture. How can God be crucified and humiliated and that is the work of his exaltation? Paul just throws another paradox at us. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How is weakness strength? It's the same way that jars that were meant for waters of purification became waters for a new wine. God takes what earth thought, wait a second, culture thought, wait a second, I thought this was the purpose. He goes, no, this is the antithesis of that. We think that humility, humility when he's speaking on the mountain, this is the best way for me to show it, humility meant stupid. So if you were humble in the Old Testament, it was for simple-minded. Then Jesus goes, those who are humble, those who are meek, those who are gentle. Everybody on the head of the mountain said, wait a second, if I'm stupid. No, no, I am taking old words and I'm bringing new meaning. I am taking what the world thought meant was this. I'm bringing a kingdom understanding. I'm taking that which is weak and I'm bringing strength. I'm taking that which is last and I'm bringing it first. So why are we so caught up with the strength and the power when it's the unlocking of weakness that brings about strength? Let's go back last week. He says, there will be a time where you will worship me in spirit and in truth. 
Remember I broke down that word spirit because we think spirit's a feeling, but it's not a feeling. Spirit means transparency and vulnerability. This might be a weird Sunday. You're like, I'm never come back to that church. Oh, well. I've never preached to get you back. I just preach. That is what I've discovered about the church and why it doesn't work. Because we want to show what we think people want to see. That's called marketing. <laughs> it's called salesmanship. I'm not saying that's bad. Just for the church, I think we lead best in weakness. So I'm going to tell you, my flesh wrestled this week. If I could be honest, I don't know if I wanted to be here at 7 o'clock in the morning. But that's where I have to go, God, your grace has got to carry me when my mind wants to fail me. We have to not run from trials and testing, but embrace them as a means for Christ to become evident. Let's go back one more time to John, the Baptist, in John, the Gospel. I must decrease so that he may increase. Paradox. Wait a second. I thought if he increased, then I would increase too. No, no, no. I must decrease. So can I tell you why I love the kingdom? Why I love Jesus? Why I love to preach his word? It's because... One thing I know about everybody in this room is you've experienced some form of pain, some kind of hurt, but you are not limited by your pain or by your hurt. In fact, if we would open our eyes, we would discover that it's our weakness that qualifies us for the kingdom of God. But, but Jared, what if I lose my job? His grace is sufficient. Well, what if I experience death? His grace is sufficient. What if I give disease? His grace is sufficient. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. I think I do. I think one of the things that he gives us is testimony. I'm up here telling you. I was telling Tyler this week. Where are you? You came up on stage. Good job. I called Tyler. We were dealing with something. He's playing tricks on me. Okay, He was over there. Back here. I said, I think we should get a mascot as a church. Like, you know how teams have a mascot? I was joking with him. I said, you know what our, our church mascot's going to be? Cockroaches. <laughs> Why? Because they are resilient. Oh my gosh. Like, if you try to get rid of cockroaches, they are resilient. And I'm joking. Obviously, we know they're gross. You know, nobody wants a cockroach. But my point is, is that's who we're going to be as a body. We are going to be resilient. We are going to persevere. Well, what happens if, you know, culture, I don't care. We're going to stand true to what God is leading us to. We're going to stand firm to the word. Well, you know what we kind of need to do in order to stand firm to the word? How many times did I reference scripture this morning? All over the place, right? You got to be in it to reference it. You got to be in it daily to see, oh my word. The puzzle pieces are clicking. We did our class, Fidelity and Formation. I started the class being like, hey, we have 26 passages of scripture we need to look at tonight. Everybody's eyes got big. Why? Because I want to be rooted in his word so that when I go through moments, I can go, God, your grace is sufficient. A little bit later, if you read with us this week, this is when Paul says, take every thought captive. 
not just to captivate it, not to, or sorry, just to capture it, but so that we can be obedient to Christ because your thoughts want to deceive you. They want to prevent you from living in that life of fidelity and sold out obedience. You will go through struggles. You will go through pain. I can promise you that. But what I will promise you is his grace is sufficient. Would you stand to your feet this morning?